Hello and welcome to the Florida State of Recruiting podcast. We are the three stars. My name is Tim Allenball and I'll be joined by two of Tomahawk Nation's finest tonight as we jump into all things Florida State recruiting, uh, whether that's recruiting in or recruiting out, as we'll get into a little bit later. Uh, but before we do that, before we do that, let's see how our boys are doing. Uh, Mr. Josh Pick, uh, any kale milkshakes lately, sir? Smoothies. Milkshake. Milkshakes or smoothies? Smoothies, no, milkshakes, they're all the same. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a little while. I was telling David before you came on, just kind of been on the road a lot and haven't even been home very much. So I kind of do only do those when I'm at home. And so it's been a little bit low, and maybe that's why I'm not feeling so high in energy. Hard to find good kale on the road, Josh. Uh, I don't know. I haven't tried. <laughs> well, David, how are you doing, sir? I don't I don't have a food to pick on you about. Yeah, I know. When you said kale milk, that made my stomach turn. That's that. That's punishment. Um, no, man, I'm good. I'm FSU recruiting and football looks to be in good shape despite the other two programs. And and so uh, we'll, we'll keep moving forward. But don't worry, Link. Mike Norvell's bringing you an entire outfield in 2024. So we'll we'll get you taken care of. Josh, I associate smoothies with milkshakes because back when I did work out and drink smoothies, I would only get smoothies that were basically milkshakes in disguise. You know? <laughs> that, sounds, <laughs> but, uh, that, sounds, that sounds pretty delicious. Yeah, it does. <laughs> well, uh, let's talk about Florida State for a few minutes. Um, David, you just mentioned how bad baseball and basketball are doing. Uh, I'm, I'm really curious to see what uh, – Rogner and uh, and Matt have to say about the the transfers coming in and out there, uh, but what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about the transfers out at Florida State. Um, so over the last week and a half or so, we've seen a significant number of Florida State players depart the program, uh, and this really shouldn't come as a shock to those that followed the program because we knew Florida State was over the roster limit. Uh, we knew some names were going to have to get turned out, especially with the number of bodies that they took uh, right after the season. And on top of that, um, just looking at how the roster has filled out over the last two to three years, there's a lot of guys that, for lack of better words, uh, need to go find a fresh start, need to find another team where potentially they can get the playing time because they've been passed up at Florida State. Uh, and they're just probably not going to make up that ground here in the last two to three years of their career. So what we wanted to do tonight is jump into the transfer out at Florida State, uh, talk about a few names, what's the impact there, and who else potentially we could see enter the portal. So, um, guys, where I want to start is the place that I think I probably have the most concern. Um, I think the starters here are studs. But I think right after them, it falls off pretty steeply. And that's the linebacker room. Uh, we have Tatum Bethune. We have Kalen Deloach. Um, we hope his brother joins him at Florida State to play basketball here soon. Um, but probably not going to happen, according to Josh's uh, face that he gave me. Um, but um, <clears throat> those guys are, are, are fantastic starters. I know Bethune had some health problems off and on last year. Um, but... In the linebacker room, we've already seen the departure of Stephen Dix Jr., who was an absolute stud in the weight room, but just could never quite um, live up to the hype on the field. And it really goes back to what you and David both talked about 
last podcast, he's probably the old school linebacker that you would want and that he's just a massive monster of a man, but didn't quite have the athleticism to cover the field. And then we also saw Brendan Gant converted safety uh, the part as well. And so now I think if, if we're sizing up the depth, we're talking about uh, Bethune and Deloach as your starters. And then your backups are DJ Lundy, um, Blake Nicholson, um, Omar Graham, and then DeMarco Ward. And so it falls off pretty quickly when it comes to experience. So, Josh, I want to start with you. Do you have any concerns with the linebacker room here, or are you pretty comfortable with where Florida State is uh, if they don't grab another body out of the portal? Um, assuming good health, I'm not concerned just because Florida State plays that 4-2-5 system where you're most often only going to have two linebackers on the field at a time, and if Bethune and Deloach are healthy, that's a pretty darn good linebacker room. I also feel a little bit more confident just because Lundy seems like he's lost some weight and Omar Graham seems like he's taken that next step just from what I've read and then watched him in the spring showcase or whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and we've, you know, we've been strong on OG ever since we had him on our podcast and he committed to Florida state and just, we thought he was underrated. And, and I think that's going to prove to be true, but David and I have been talking for a couple cycles now that we'd really like to see Florida state go after a transfer linebacker and, it's, it's just a little bit of a finesse game because you're going to try to go for someone who has multiple years of eligibility but doesn't feel like he needs to start right away. And so it's it's kind of hard to find someone and convince them that, hey, come here, but you might not play. Yeah. Yeah, that, that David, I think I think in our Slack chat, and you guys especially on the board, have really hammered on what Josh just said. Um, because they only start two linebackers, it's really hard to go out there and say, come to Florida State and be a backup. Yeah, and, and you can't miss, right? Like, you cannot afford to miss. And so, you know, when you're talking about a small position room, which, which FSU's linebacker room has become, you just can't afford to miss, whether it's high school or transfer portal. And they were very lucky in that, um, you know, Randy Shannon had the connection with Tatum Bethune, and that certainly was not a miss. Um, thank goodness he came in and, and has played the way he has. And thank goodness they got another season out of him as well. But FSU is going to have to do that again. I'm, I'm a little bit more worried about this than Josh is just because like you laid out, Tim, you know, I'm, Lundy, I'm, I'm very impressed with the transformation that Lundy has, has undergone. He really has made himself relevant to the new speed game. And so that's been cool to see. And um, I'm excited to see our, our boy Omar get out there on the field and start wreaking some havoc. And Blake Nicholson, I mean, I, I think he has the talent to get some reps this year. It just worries you that he doesn't have the experience yet because there's going to be a lot of hiccups that come with that. And I'll tell you what, if, if you're seeing D'Amico Ward out, DeMarco Ward out there um, with any significant playing time, that means FSU is in big trouble at that position. Um so with that, I think what's going to be crucial is, like Josh said, you're not going to be able to get a guy who comes in, a, a stud player who only has one year of eligibility left. Like that, That's not the situation at Florida State. What you need is you need to ideally find somebody from you know the 2021-2022 cycles who can come in and still has minimum, I would say, probably three years of eligibility left, but even two would be okay as long as they're okay just getting in the rotation this year and then potentially starting next year because 
you know, next year you're losing Deloach, you're losing Bethune, and you may even lose Lundy. And so with that, hopefully Blake Nicholson and Omar are going to be ready to go. But I think it's, it's much better to have kind of a bridge guy who you can really kind of count on. So, um, you know, as far as the transfers out, uh, you know, these are not names that we were surprised to see go out. Um, I really feel bad for Steven Dix because I, he was forced to play way too much, way too soon. And I think the previous coaching staff really kind of screwed him. And I think he's had to spend the last two years kind of being deprogrammed in a way. Um, and so I, I really hope he can put it together and find a good spot. But yeah, the lack of athleticism, uh, you know, I think our commenters were, I was kind of surprised by the comments in that thinking that he's going to be a big loss. I don't think Steven Dix is a big loss. I just, I really hope that he'll be able to find a good spot. Um, but I think Gant is, is a bit of a loss because he, you know, I'm proud of him. He definitely had, he's, he's had a roller coaster time at FSU and, and he did what the coaches asked. He changed positions. Um, he really started making progress last year. And so, you know, it's a little bit frustrating that another team is going to benefit from all that good coaching and, and um, you know, benefit from what FSU did with him. But again, you, you hope these guys find really good situations. I think he can potentially find a place where he can, he can start his last year and hopefully get some tape out there um, to go to, you know, the next level of football, whether it's NFL or one of the other leagues. But um, yeah, I, I really, really hope they bring in a transfer. Um, If they don't, I'm going to really start kind of questioning things because Bethune has the injury history, you know, Deloach, he's such a violent hitter. You just, you worry about these guys because you're literally two injuries away from potentially having a freshman take significant reps for a team that has really high aspirations. Yeah. And I'm just going to add that the Gann loss is most felt on special teams and it just kind of a, a real standout on special teams for Forest State last year. And that's, that's important. You can't understate how, how big special teams are. And the other thing is, I, I think that the linebacker play, even if it's backups on the field, will be improved this year just because of how stout, no pun intended, the interior <laughs> of Florida State's defensive line is. Yeah. I mean, Florida State's interior defensive line is nasty and deep. And I think that's really going to help the linebackers out. Yeah, the, uh, the second level was very well protected uh, going into the season. Um, you know, I, I think Grant, Grant, I think Brendan Gant stings as well, uh, just because he's one of those players uh, that could suddenly just turn into a missile out of the linebacker position. And if he got the, if he guessed the hole correctly, I mean, it was it was going to be this monster hit. Uh, he played out of control a little bit at times, but you see that a lot with a guy that's just converting to the linebacker spot. And the more he was learning how to read and interpret it, I think he was going to probably, I think he would have been ahead of Omar Graham on the depth chart this year. Uh, I, you know, it would have been close, but I think you could have saw him and DJ Lundy as your second string uh, when it comes to the linebackers. So I think that is a pretty b- big hit to the room. Uh, like you said, Stephen Dix, unfortunately, I agree. Uh, way too much playing time early on. And I think the uh, the knock always was didn't really have those hips that would swivel enough uh, for that position. Um, I want to stick on the defensive side of the ball to talk about one more transfer. Uh, and that's defensive end, uh, Derek McClendon. Uh, this is a kid that, yes, Florida State has has really stepped up that defensive line 
Uh, and going into this next season, it, you know, defensive end, the starters could be a very strong uh, point of emphasis for the defense. But Derek McClendon was a big part of that. And uh, his loss, I think, is going to be felt because, again, you're going to see the same thing that you see with linebackers and that I don't think that room is that deep from an experience level. And uh, McClendon, uh, that's, that's a big hit in my opinion. What do you, what do you think, Dave? Yeah, I, I agree there, Tim. And I, this is definitely a situation of a guy wanting to go to a different program to be the guy rather than be one of the guys. But I'm, I was kind of surprised by this because you know, we know that Jared Verse is going to be taking a lot of it from offensive coordinators. And then when you've improved the interior of the defensive line like you have, I think that Derek McClendon was in line to get a lot of one-on-one opportunities at Florida State. And he really could have put together some nice tape, I think. But, you know, you have to appeal. You have to play the ego management game and all that stuff. And so I think he just wanted to go somewhere where he can be the guy, the star on the defensive line. And I think he can, he can probably find a situation where he'll be able to start. Um, at a power five institution. I know South Carolina was interested in them. And so it's nice, you know, FSU has its little uh, pipeline from Columbia, South Carolina. So you got to throw him a bone every once in a while, but he's one that I really would have preferred to stay. I think he's the biggest hit who has left in the transfer portal um, so far this time around in this window. Um, But, you know, certainly FSU has brought in some guys that I think can absorb some of the loss from that. But his experience and his upward trajectory, having worked with Papuchas and, and Odell a little bit to, to kind of diversify his moves and stuff, would have been nice to have this season. Yeah, I mean, I think that, as we've talked about, like, if he stays, he's not getting as much attention from opposing offensive lines slash offensive coordinators. But, again, he yeah, he wanted to be the guy, but he would have been smarter to stay because he would have been that second defensive end. I think he realized that a Pat Patrick Payton had already passed him up on the depth chart. And there's a good chance that Gilbert Edmond had passed him up as well. So at best, I think he might've been the fourth defensive end in Florida State's rotation. Um, the only thing is now it's like, all right, it's incumbent on Byron Turner to be ready to play for Florida state. And it'll be interesting to see if, if Florida state believes that that's the case um, or if they go and dip in the transfer portal to get a replacement defensive end, or maybe, I guess the other option would be if they think that Jaden Jones will be healthy enough for the season because I think he has a very high upside at defensive end as well. I'm glad you said that, Josh. That, that's an important point to note, too, is when you see guys like this transfer out, it's important to remember that that typically means that there's some really good development happening with other guys. And we know Pat Payton, he is going to be a total beast. And so this probably – I think Josh is, is dead on. This is probably directly related to Pat Payton – um, as well as some of the other guys that are being brought in. So that, I'm glad you said that, man. That's that's an important silver lining to note in these kinds of situations. It means that the coaches are doing their jobs as far as development and, and taking guys to the next level. Yeah, I definitely agree. Peyton's a, a beast. I, I like Gilbert Edmond a lot. Uh, but the experience that McClendon has is hard to replace, so it'll be interesting there. Uh, let's go to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, and let's talk about the offensive line where we've had two names enter the portal. Um, one, not really a shock to me. One of them, I a little bit, uh, and that I wasn't expecting it to happen this early if it did happen, 
Uh, and I guess you could call that offensive line slash defensive line with, with Woody. But uh, let's talk about Zane Herring first. Uh, Zane's been around since the uh, the Woody – or not the Woody, but the, the Willie days uh, at Florida State. Um, I think about how it was uh, like Richie Leonard and him and a few other guys that they were all trying to get all at the same time. And that, like all of it fell apart, and the only guy that ended up sticking with Florida State – was Zane Herring. Uh, Zane was a, a backup last year, um, mostly with garbage time. He did serviceable last year, for lack of better words. Uh, much improved from where he was, but a guy that I think, frankly, this year was going to be third string at best with what Florida State has done on the offensive line. Uh, the other name is Antavius Tay Woody. Uh, this is a guy that I know that we really liked when we talked about recruiting uh, Florida State worked really hard with him to get his academics in order uh, and got him on the campus. And um, unfortunately, it looks like he's transferring out as well. But Josh, honestly, it, this is going to be crazy to say, but if there's one area that Florida State could afford to take a couple losses, it's, it's shockingly the offensive line. Um, yeah, I mean, it just, again, a testament to Alex Atkins and the job he's done there. Uh, Zane Herring, really good kid. Um, maybe could have played a little bit as a backup the next couple of years, but a kid that we kind of all had our eye on is someone that eventually needed to be, you know, processed out for lack of a better term, but who knows, maybe he'll be able to find somewhere to a group of five or a lower level power five school where he can play. Uh, again, good kid, wish him all the best, but better for both parties that he moves on and, and Tay, what do you just kind of have to wonder about buying? Um, the fact that he's transferring this early, like you weren't going to play and you're not going to play anywhere else this early. So what are you looking for? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, the fact that he already switched positions at Florida state was a little bit disconcerting, uh, that he didn't stay at offensive line longer. We love his potential, but you know, not a huge loss for Florida state and, and Florida state needs the numbers. So, um, Good luck to Tay as well, and 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 who knows? It might not be the last loss in that offensive line room because Tom uh, Thomas Schrader just has not been able to stay healthy, David. Yeah, he's he's another name that that we've been watching, um, which is sad because when Schrader came in, I think we all were excited about his potential, but again, just hasn't been able to stay healthy. So he's one that we've kind of had our eye on to see if he gets a medical disqualification or potentially transfers out. And um, yeah, totally agree on Zane Herring. You know when they took him. Um, it was fine at the time because they needed offensive linemen and, you know, you, you hope you swing on guys like that and you hit, but, um, even when he came in, when you looked at his body and his, he's got skinny hips and legs and stuff, you just looked at him and you're like, yeah, this probably is not going to be a future starter. So, um, but you know, kid is no blooded family's a bunch of knolls and, and he did everything the right way. And so we certainly appreciate that. And I think you could see him maybe go to like an FAU or UC or not UCF, but USF potentially, and, and maybe push for some more starting time. Um, so certainly wish him well. And yeah, Woody, you know, I was, ex I was kind of excited when he switched to defensive line because I love seeing his film on the camp circuit as a defensive tackle, but you know, Josh mentioned buy-in. I, I wonder about homesickness, and I kind of wonder about tampering. Um, I would not be the least bit surprised to see him wind up back at Auburn um, with the new coaching staff, and, and Hugh Freeze is kind of known to do those things. Um, but, yeah, loved his potential, like Josh said. But, again, 
this is what you see from really good programs when they have the, the ship righted and they're ascending, you know, you're going to see really talented kids transfer out. And some of them, uh, you know, certainly feel that they should be playing earlier than the coaches do. And so when that is the case, you hope that they can go find a situation where they can play. But, um, you know, I, I we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, hopefully they, all of these guys find good situations, but in the end, you know, FSU has to shed some scholarships and uh, we're going to transition into a few other names that we're thinking, you know, may have potential to also transfer out um, because we also think that FSU is looking to bring in maybe a couple of other transfer portal guys, depending on who enters in this, this window. Yeah. Before we jump to that, I, I did want to, you know, make sure to bring up, uh, Dimitri Emanuel got that eighth year or whatever it is. Uh, seventh, the, seventh year waiver. Seventh year waiver. Yeah, uh, at Florida State, and uh, I saw a stat that I think popped up in the spring game, and uh, that Florida State is returning two hundred and seven combined starts on the offensive line uh, amongst amongst like nine players, which is crazy. And and so I think the writing's on the wall for some of these guys. And let's talk about the name just real quick that you brought up and, and Thomas Schrader. Um, I think we all thought really high of Schrader. Uh, I think he had a broken leg that first year, a couple other injuries since then, and he's just never been able to stay healthy consistent long enough. I think he had a shoulder issue as, as well at some point. Um, don't quote me on that. Uh, but uh, I, I think that this is a guy that, that's buried on the depth chart and it makes a lot of sense for Schrader to potentially move on elsewhere or even to get medically disqualified potentially, David. Yeah, and, and he's another one. I I think you could see him go to a USF or something and probably push for some good playing time if he can get healthy. But it was so disappointing when I, you know, he had that initial injury. I, I believe he's the one that had the initial injury then came back from it and was looking really good in the spring, had made some progression, and then he got hurt again. And, and it just – how many times have we seen that? You know, a talented guy just struggles to stay healthy. And so certainly pulling for him, and I hope he doesn't have to go the MDQ route. But uh, he's one certainly I think, um, you know, there's probably a good chance that he's already been passed up by some of the guys from the last class who came in. So probably would be in the best interest of both parties for him to move on. Yeah, uh, the next guy, Josh, I wanted to talk about is a teammate in high school of Zane Herring, uh, Travis J. Um, kid is all talented uh, on both sides of the ball and a lot of high hopes. Another Willie kid um, that, that people thought was going to come here and just light the place on fire, maybe even play some quarterback uh, and just has not panned out at all. I know we've heard problems with potentially off the field stuff, but uh, just hasn't been able to really put it together at Florida State, Josh. Yeah, I mean, obviously he's had the academic issues, but there's been other behavioral issues as well and not sure about buy-in there or whatever, and they've tried him at quarterback, and he was great, and then he just was terrible during the season, and then they've tried him at safety, and, oh, he's going to be starting safety next season. I was like, well, I'll believe it when I see it, and Sadly, I think maybe I'm going to be proven correct on that front. I mean, I was hoping that he would be a replacement for Jamie Robinson this season, but didn't really hear anything at all about him in the spring positively. And it just makes you wonder if he's going to be around once the season comes. Yeah, man, when you, when he'll always, my Travis J moment will always be that interception against Notre Dame. And 
when he did that, we're thinking, oh man, does he finally turn the corner? Is he finally turning into who we thought he would be? But uh, yeah, this is just one of those situations where I think a fresh start would be great for him. Um, Really bummed out that he couldn't put it together. But again, when you look back at those Willie Taggart recruiting classes, um, you know, they brought in some talented kids, but a lot of them had some concerns and we certainly have seen those raised with, with Travis. And so, um, hopefully, you know, if he does leave, hopefully he'll find a good situation from what we heard, uh, the past season, he did a lot of work with the scout team and was doing good things and, and hopefully making his teammates better. So hopefully he can take that experience with him too, but, um, think a fresh start would be good there. Yeah. And I do want to note we don't have any quote unquote inside knowledge here that any of these guys are leaving. Uh, this is our speculation with what insight we have been able to get from, uh, from our sources, but um, these could, these guys could stick around and it wouldn't shock us at all. Uh, but we think these are the guys again, with the best chance to also join there. Um, I have two other names I want to talk about. Uh, and again, really trying to clarify we are not saying these guys are transferring. Uh, but the next one is wide receiver uh, Josh Burrell. Uh, David, this is a guy that I know you you love Burrell. Uh, he's been battling injuries as well. Similar story to Thomas Schrader, I think. And uh, with the way that Norvell has hit the transfer portal uh, with the addition of Hakeem Williams, with, uh, with Kintron starting to step up, there just may not be a spot for Burrell. Yeah, and it's it has been wonderful to see Kentron pretty drop up or uh, you know step up the way he has and not drop off, which we were worried that he was going to do. So that's been very very good to see. Um, man, Josh Burrell, we <laughs> Josh and I and, and you Tim too, we 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 love Josh Burrell. Just a great kid, great teammate, um, humble, just you know everything you would want as a player in your program. But again like you mentioned, just a guy who has struggled with injuries. And so it makes me sad because I think I, I, I definitely think he could play at Florida state. I really do. I think that, you know, he could, he could have easily developed into that Mr. Reliable kind of guy, almost like a Willie Halstead kind of guy who's a little bit bigger in the frame and, and can go across the middle and you trust him to do those things. Um, you know, they switched him over to wide from wide receiver to running back to see if he could maybe crack the rotation there. But again, has just, had injuries, especially around the the feet and the ankle and everything, which is really hard for skilled players. So, um, again, could be a situation where he's already been passed up by some really talented kids who have come in, um, maybe get a fresh start elsewhere. He is from South Carolina, so maybe we see him, you know, head back up that way if he decides to transfer. But certainly a guy that that I will be a fan of no matter where he goes. Um, just just a fantastic kid and. Um, I'd love to see him, you know, get healthy and, and stick at FSU and see if he could do something. But I don't know, man. I, again, I think maybe just fresh start might be the way to go. Uh, and then my final name I want to bring up is uh, is Jackson West at tight end. You know, I, if we were talking about this room a year ago, I would say Florida State needs to hang on to Jackson West because that room is just not deep. But uh, when you see what Florida State did this offseason with the addition of Morlock and Bell, um, and um, I'm blanking on the kid that was a bowling ball for them last year that came up, uh, came on strong at the end of the season. Biscuit. Yeah, Biscuit. There you go. Uh, 
I, I just don't think that there's a spot for Jackson West anymore, um, considering Preston Daniels playing more than he is. Um, I, it wouldn't shock me to see him go. And this is another kid, Josh, that we were pretty high on. Out of high school, underrated kid, we thought. But just um, – I mean, we've heard some speculation that he's a guy that is, is a little bit fiery and uh, really brings it on the field, but has not always gelled well with everybody else uh, when he's out there. Well, and it doesn't matter if you bring it on the field if you're never on the field. I mean, it's just <laughs> another kid that has not been able to stay healthy at Florida State. And, yeah, now he's, what, fifth or sixth string if he if he even was healthy. And this is a kid I know, David, you and Coach A.B. were kind of fighting for who liked him more when he came out of high school. Yeah, back to the Coach A.B. days. Shout out to Coach A.B. Hope you're doing well, man, at, at 247. And um, I think A.B. liked him a little bit more than I did, but we both thought, you know, looking at his, his highlight reel and his measurables and all this stuff, we both thought he had the potential to, to become a, you know, an NFL player. Uh, maybe not a draft pick, but maybe a UDFA and, and catch on with a team or a practice squad. I would say of all of the names we've discussed, this is the most disappointing for me because I don't know that it's, I think some of it is mental and I think some of it is emotional. And he's, as Tim was very polite in saying that he's a fiery player, um, I think he has had a lot of trouble controlling his emotions. And I think there may be some maturity issues there, um, which is disappointing because he's got the physical tools. Um, but he's one that I really thought would be further along now. But with, you know, him losing snaps to Preston Daniel, um, you know, Brian Courtney was seeing the field more than he did. Uh, and then you've got Jarrell Powers, who was able to, to take a red shirt year and, and uh, come along more slowly. So, yeah, I agree. I think that he is probably uh, one who would be better off going elsewhere. So uh, I, I just want to take one second, guys. Any other names that you all um, think could be? I, I know we, we had talked about maybe Malcolm Ray in our Slack. I personally uh, think he sticks around. I think he fits a certain body type that they don't have a lot of on the defensive line. Uh, but David, with you, any names we potentially uh, that we didn't talk about specifically tonight? Yeah, Ray is one, um, and and I'm with you. I really hope he stays. I think there's certainly a place for him here, and I think he'll see the field. But he's one that I could see somebody maybe tampering with and convincing that he should be a starter elsewhere full time. And so you never know um, how that may go. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to maybe see another defensive back um, potentially dip into the the transfer portal waters. Um, you know, you look at guys maybe like from the group of Duke Cooper and Kevin Knowles and, and those kinds of guys who have either kind of had trouble finding a position to stick at or maybe have had some injury issues. Um, and again, with with talented kids coming up from the previous two classes, you know, you just never know. And so, you know, looking at defensive back, I think, would be one looking at defensive line, particularly the interior de defensive line. Uh, maybe one as well. But um, I think, you know, in terms of positions that we're keeping our eye on for, for where FSU may want to bring guys in, um, as we had mentioned, I think linebacker is one that we certainly want to see uh, FSU bring someone in. And then safety. That's another thing that we were a little bit surprised that FSU didn't bring in a, a high caliber safety. Um, any, any other positions you think, Josh or Tim? Yeah, I mean, I, we, we agree on linebacker and safety, and then I guess defensive end just from McClendon going out and the uncertainty of Turner and, and Jaden Jones there. 
Um, as you mentioned, Malcolm Ray, just, I think just because again, like that room is absolutely loaded. And, and honestly, if he's healthy, he might be fourth string this season. I mean, like that's how much I believe in those guys. Like Daniel Lyons has really developed. Aya Tafasi, I think is just an absolute monster and a steal from Florida state in that last class. So I could see at the, at the end of the day, Malcolm Ray says, Hey, I'm not even going to play this season. I got I got to get going. Cause I, he and his girlfriend are expecting a kid too. And like, at some point, you could be like, hey, think about the future. Like, if you're not playing, that's no bueno. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you talk about potentially defensive tackle rotation. You've got Lovett. you got Fisk. you got Jackson. you got Farmer. you got Lyons. Even Bishop Thomas. Um, and, and like you said, Tafasi. And, and then Malcolm Ray as well, who I, I think could uh, – I, I think he could even crack into the two deep at times, but not consistently – um, to, to everybody's point, he did get a lot more playing time last year, but that was with Fabian Lovett missing a large chunk of the season as well. So, um, and honestly, Malcolm Ray is a kid that, that could go to another program and start. Uh, and I'm not even talking like an FAU USF like we talked about. I think he could go to a solid, uh, a solid school like a Louisville, for instance, uh, and, and be a starter right away for a defensive line. So I think if he gets that opportunity, if he gets uh, the right guys in his ear, it, it wouldn't shock me. But at the same time, I do think he fits a certain body type where uh, I could see him getting talked into sticking at Florida State. And I'll just say this, like I've, I've been surprised so far at the quality of prospects entering this this cycle from in the portal. Like in previous years after – that first cycle, you didn't see a lot of talent. Like, of course, they got a Dylan Gibbons, but, like, it was very, very slim pickings. And I feel like now a lot of, like, 2021, 2022, 2023, like, four-star prospects are like, all right, I'm already in the portal. So I'd like to see Florida State be aggressive in the portal this time around. So, I mean, if they lose two, three, four more kids, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. Yeah, exactly. To to the points that we've all made, I think – we'd love to see them get a safety and a linebacker, but to do that, you're going to have to turn out another two or three spots from this rotation. And if uh, a mystery wide receiver from Louisiana shows up, you know, that's another position that you got to, uh, you got to turn and make room for. Well, guys, uh, I'm glad I got to make a Destin Hill reference. So uh, (laughs) I think that's a really good note to end on for the evening. Um, Obviously, check us out on Tomahawk Nation. We talk about the recruiting thread so much, but it's not just the recruiting thread. We talk about transfers just as much as recruiting in there. Um, And I say we, I mean Josh and David. I I like to sometimes stop by because I think I've got a breaking tweet, and I see that Josh posted it 15 minutes ago, even though it only came out 10 minutes ago. I don't know how he does that. Um, But uh, we talk everything when it comes to the prospects. Uh, These guys know more about some of these kids that I don't even know it's possible. And the thing that's amazing about David, especially is somebody will enter the transfer portal and David will be like, Hey, you remember uh, when Florida state was on him in 2017? I'm like, no, man, I I don't, I don't remember this guy at all, but David has all of that locked into his amazing uh, doctorate brain. But uh, if you got any questions, jump in there. If we have the opportunity, we're hopefully going to maybe even record next week talking about who could be next for Tribe 24 or who we'd like to see. Uh, We'll have to see how our schedules line up there. Uh, But before I go, I always like to go to the pick corner 
and ask him if he has anything else for us. No, I mean, maybe we'll talk about a pick six of prospects like next week or something, but, uh, Ooh. you know, uh, Ooh, segment. I like so, that. Uh, we got our doctor's report once we talked about the wide receivers tonight. I just surprised that David like didn't bite on the Destin Hill. I'm just really surprised. I've learned uh, some semblance of self-control. You know, um, there is, I don't know if you guys remember Waterboy with Adam Sandler. Oh yeah. Where, where, uh, where the coach like drops his pants and shows his Elvis tattoo or whatever it was. Uh, at some point when Destin Hill shows up on campus, Dave's going to roll up his sleeve <laughs> and show his Destin Hill tattoo that he's had all along. Uh, and, and, and no, never bro, get... it's, not, it's not Destin anymore. I got it covered up with Hakeem. <laughs> but, uh, uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, for all the Destin Hill news, definitely check out the recruiting thread because Josh can't wait to post it. But uh, this has been a good, fun podcast. Uh, Josh, I, I, I have to say we got to stay on the podcast long enough to watch Florida State make a, an error that led to a run in baseball. So we have uh, we've completed the cycle. But Yeah, I mean, it was, I, it was a special one, too. It was a, a single, single, and they scored on two singles. Yeah. That's, uh, Florida State special right there. That's what happens when you throw it in the throw it in the left field. Mike's got you covered, Link. Don't worry about it, man. He's bringing yeah. you a whole left field. He'll get you. He'll get you some pitching too. And we need some infielders. Yeah, a lot of stuff. Anywho, uh, this has been the Florida State of Recruiting podcast, and we are the three stars for Josh Pick, for David Stout, for Tomahawk Nation. I am Tim Allenball. Let's keep climbing. <laughs>